This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to this morning's live stream. Yay. I'm trying to think what we were then. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Helen. And um, we've got fun-filled, packed morning this morning. Yeah. So whether you're watching now on a Sunday morning or later on demand, you are more than welcome. Or well, my favourite way of listening to it, on the podcast. Oh, podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Hello, podcast listeners. Sorry, already. Because <laughs> <laughs> probably you get lots of stuff cut out and you just get me and Helen and lot talking. Yeah. Um, so this morning, um, Martin's going to be talking to us later about mercy amnesia. We were wondering what that phrase meant. I'm so intrigued. I'm already forgetting. Hey! Um, but we know that it can be difficult to forgive some people sometimes, I think, yeah. especially when you've been hurt. Yeah. I think it's very hard. And then it's very hard to try and, like, forget about it. Yeah. Like, you forgive, but then is it easy to forget about it? And also, you know, some groups of people, like, so we can yeah. put that on groups of people can be yeah, quite yeah, yeah. difficult to... I'm going to use a strong word here, tolerate. Yes. But, um, yes. you know, and um, it's sort of, what what does mercy mean? I don't even, you know, it's, it's, it feels like an old-fashioned term, mercy, mercy, doesn't it? Mercy. Yes. So what does that even mean? How do we show compassion? And hopefully, Martin will answer all of those later. Yeah. Thanks, and Martin. It, and <laughs> we are doing a series called 90. It's all about the story of Jesus and how he's gone from being the baby at Christmas to what he does at Easter and we're doing that journey and it's like supposed to be over 90 days isn't it yeah. but it's slightly different this year because yeah. we've got a leap year to throw in there but we're doing those so let's find out a little bit more about that with our uh, intro series. In just three years Jesus changed the world. He transformed the way we think about religion and created a space where everyone was welcome. In the first 90 days of 2024, we are going to look at those three years, following Jesus through his most significant events, conversations and encounters. So, as we journey towards Easter, let's create space to not only learn about the historical Jesus, but also meet the risen Jesus. And we're going to be looking at the Bible today, um, which is good. If you want to grab a Bible, there are at the back, there underneath the pay machine, but they will appear uh, on the screen as well. We're going to be looking at a couple of passages uh, so feel free to get it out on your phone, get out your actual Bible. Always getting worse rather than better. They've got to fiddle the foot to work it out. Um, I struggle to understand. I think I struggle to comprehend why anyone would like golf. 
it's you get these people who I mean I know if you know Neil Neil's a, 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 one of our elders here he preaches sometimes he loves golf he seems to spend all his time playing golf and I, I just don't get it they wear those special clothes you know like the the tank tops and the the two-tone shoes with the frills on and uh, they have all these different clubs different numbers and I, I just don't get it do you know what some people even watch golf on TV I mean I don't and you know the best thing that's happened just in in recent years, the Earlswood Wood Lakes Golf Course has closed, so it doesn't spoil my dog walk. I can walk around these amazing, lovely uh, grounds without golfers spoiling everything. <laughs> no, it's all right. You can play golf. I tried it once. I just wasn't very good for it. Why, why would I want to spend all that time looking for lost balls? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And maybe you might feel about that about other things maybe you're like why do people go and watch ballet i don't put your hand up if you like ballet strange people maybe it's people that wear crocs in public maybe it's people that watch love islands maybe it's people that go running maybe you just look at some people and think why do you do that i don't understand it just i would never do that because the great thing is we're all different, aren't we? We're all completely different. We may look sometimes a little bit similar, but we are very, very different what we like to do and what we don't like to do. And it can be something to do with our culture, our upbringing, the color of our skin, our abilities, our age, our gender, our politics. All these things make us very, very different. And really the thing I want to deal with this morning is how do we deal with those differences? How do we deal with those differences? Because some differences, they can be a bit amusing, you know, golf and things like that. You know, you know, I'm not really offended by people that like to play golf. But there are some people who are different. And actually, by being different, I'm a little bit put off by them. I'm a little bit kind of, I don't like that. You know, I can get really, really judgy. I don't know about you, but I can really be a bit judgmental on people. I think probably the worst time I was being judgmental was when I was first married and there was all these, I judged parents of children. I didn't have children at the time, but I judged parents of children. Why do you let them do that? Because often we judge from maybe from ignorance or misunderstanding. But it's so easy to get judgy on people who are different for whatever reason because we don't really understand why they're different why do we do that and maybe we look down at people people have made some really bad decisions who does stupid things but well i just don't understand why you did that people are different and like i said the question we'll look at today is how do we deal with those differences without being judgmental without being Judgy, because there is a group of people that Jesus, of all the people in the New Testament, had a particular issue with, particular took umbrance with, because they were so judgmental. There are a group of people we've picked up, uh, we, we've met before. They're a group called uh, the Pharisees. And um, you might remember, if you've been following this series, if you haven't, that's fine. You can always look back on YouTube and, and watch it or go to our podcast. Uh, but the Pharisees, they were a group of religious people who were teachers of the law. They were particularly into the Old Testament law. They loved the law. 
And they thought if they could only obey the law, then they could usher in God's kingdom. They were, they were really devout, holy, hardworking people. And you might remember they were really interested in John the Baptist. When he came on the scene baptizing people in preparation for the coming of the kingdom of God, they came, went along and said, who are you? We want to know more about what you're doing. And in many, way, many ways, they felt the same about Jesus. They wanted to know more about Jesus because they saw in Jesus someone who was maybe their kind of man. He was a holy man. He was a good man. He was into his scriptures. He knew his stuff. He was a good teacher. He was teaching do amazing teaching. He was make, doing, performing amazing miracles. But then they got to know Jesus a bit and realized that there seemed to be a little bit of a difference between the, how the Pharisees did things and how Jesus did things. Because you could believe the same things and yet live that out, act that out in very different ways. And the Pharisees and Jesus acted out their faith and the things they believe in a very different way. You see, in uh, Jesus described his ministry as this, and this is in particularly um, having a little bit of go at the Pharisees. He said this in Luke chapter three, chapter seven, thirty-four. Says the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking. That's how Jesus described his ministry. I like that kind of ministry. You know, what's your ministry? Eating and drinking. In fact, one writer who, uh, who wrote about Luke's gospel says, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. I don't know if you in your picture you've got Jesus really fat. I'm not sure, I don't know if that's sacrilege to say that, but he was, he was always eating with people. The problem for the Pharisees was who he was eating with. It goes on in Luke chapter 7, 34, it says, and you say, you Pharisees, you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's the reputation Jesus had with the Pharisees. As they got to know him, they just saw him hanging out with all the wrong people, eating and drinking, going to parties, like, wait a minute, this isn't how a holy man, a teacher, a rabbi is supposed to be acting. Because Jesus hang out with the outcasts, the undesirables, the druggies, the sex workers, the traitors, the collaborators, the uneducated, the unreligious, the irreligious, irreligious. That's who Jesus hung out with. And the Pharisees would never hang out with them. Never. They were the scum of the earth. They were the ones who were messing everything up. You had to follow the rules. And the Pharisees looked down and judged on those that didn't follow the rules. And we're going to look at Matthew 23. And this is the passage where Jesus has a right go at the Pharisees. He really just picks up on all the stuff that's wrong with them. He talks about the fact that they weigh people down with their demands, but they do nothing to help. That for them, it's all about appearances, looking and acting better than everyone else. He called them, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're just dead on the inside. And you love the attention and respect that you get because of it. What you lack is humility. In fact, he calls them hypocrites. This is what it says in, in chapter 23. Actually, just to say, woe. These are what people call the seven woes. This, this bit of scripture. Seven times it says, woe to you. And woe is a bit of a weird old word. I just thought I might just explain what it is. So woe means it's an exclamation of grief, despair, and hopelessness. It's an announcement of doom and judgment. In some ways, it's a curse. 
It's a curse. They are under a curse because of their hypocritical practices. And Jesus here is going to lay out what those hypocritical practices are. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! Exclamation mark. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter who are trying to. When I read that passage, I have a picture of a bouncer outside a nightclub. You know, his arms crossed like that, you know, puffed up, looking around, trying to spot those people you don't want in the club. Right, your name's not on, you're not coming in. You know, the closest I've ever been hit was by a bouncer once. I hadn't done anything wrong. I just smiled at him and he, and he put his fist down, but it was a bit scary for a moment. That was in Venice. Um, picture them, self-important, condemning stare, authoritative, arms crossed, puffed up. That's that picture of those Pharisees. You know, it's difficult enough to get into the kingdom of heaven, we're told. It's like a narrow path. So why make it even more difficult through your demands and your heavy burdens? That's the issue that Jesus had with the Pharisees. He goes on another woe found in verse 23. We're just going to look at two woes. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. This picks up on, on, on one of their rules. They thought if we tithe everything, we give 10% back to God. That's a really important rule to have. Had, actually, there's was, was more rules than that, more, more about giving to God. And I don't know if you've been in some villages where they have tithe barns. You know, we don't live in a a rural society, but it's very much in, in rural life, you would give part of your harvest to God. And Jesus is saying, you are so meticulous, so particular in your obeying of the rule. Not only do you, 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 do you tithe your harvest, you're even tithing your spices and your herbs in your back garden. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness you should have practiced the latter so yeah do do the, the tithing that's good but without neglecting the former you see the bible and faith and stuff like that is really complicated there's lots of rules the pharisees came up with hundreds of rules that we had to, to had to obey in order to follow the the rules of god and it's easy to lose what's truly important and jesus is saying here what's really important is justice mercy and faithfulness this is what it's all about but you got so caught up in the little intricate bits and pieces and this very much picks up on a passage that we find in the prophets the prophets kind of gave god's word to the jewish people there were there were, there were promises there were warnings and this 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 in uh micah one of the uh, minor what we call minor prophets so short of Shorter books, really. It says, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, God has shown you, O mortal, we're the mortal ones, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? So what is good for life? What does God want from you? Does he want you tithing your herbs and spices and all that sort of stuff? No, I want you to act justly. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly with your gods. Act justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And I just want to pick up on this word mercy 
this morning. And in a bit, we're going to look at a parable, explain what a parable is that picks up on this idea. But if you want to define mercy, this is what the Oxford Dictionary says. It's compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. I'll read that again. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or to harm. See, all of us are able to punish or harm someone. All of us. We have that ability within us. It may be through the words we speak to them. It may be through our actions. It may be through a decision to distance ourselves from them, to separate ourselves, to, to not go and talk to that person because they're different, to judge them. We all have that power within us to punish or to harm. Mercy is doing the opposite. Mercy is showing compassion and or forgiveness to a person. So let's pick up on what that looked like and what that means. I just noticed the, the clock's changed position. Thank you for doing that, because otherwise I would be blinded by the spotlight. Um, we're going to look at a parable. And uh, just to say, a parable, we haven't looked at parables yet in this particular series, because it's a really important way of how Jesus taught people. Um, Jesus taught people in numerous ways, but one of the ways he did by telling them stories. And a parable is a story with, um, it's kind of an, an earthly story. It's about things on the earth that have a heavenly meaning. They tell us something about God and about his kingdom. And they picked up on all sorts of things that would have been relevant and understandable to those who were listening. And some of them are very relevant and understandable to us. Some of them, like sheep and shepherd, not really relevant, but we kind of still get it. It's how Jesus taught us. And there's one particular parable. We're going to look at it from Matthew 18. And it's the parable of the unmerciful servant, the servant who did not show mercy. And we just already picked up that Jesus thought that was very, very important. So the words are on the screen. I'm going to read it. But if you want to look it up, it's Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So, okay, Jesus is telling us something about God's kingdom and what it means to be part of God's kingdom through this story about a king who's got all these servants. Obviously, he's a very nice uh, king because he's been lending money out to people, but now he wants some money back. Okay, you owe me money. Now it's time to settle accounts. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Can you just imagine 10,000 bags of gold? That's a lot. Okay, we could go into details about all sorts of things about how much money that was and equivalent to daily wage. Let's just say it was a huge amount of money. Okay, if you think the most money that you can think of, let's think of that, uh, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Okay, makes sense so far. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Notice what he did. The servant asked for leniency and asked for more time. But rather than the king giving him more time, okay, I'll give you two months to pay it back. 
He just cancelled the whole debt completely. And Jesus is saying, that's what God is like. And we'll pick up on that in a moment. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. 100 silver coins. Compared to the 10,000 bags of gold. Okay, a tiny amount. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Requested exactly the same thing as the other servant had done. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Problem is being thrown into prison, you can't work. You can't ever pay the debt back. It's ridiculous for 100 silver coins. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your hearts. Legally, the servant had every right to demand his money and throw him into prison. Legally, he had that right to do that. After all, he owed him money. But was it right for him to do that? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because it's right doesn't mean it's right. That's where mercy comes in. See, with those people who are different to us, for whatever reason, you may have every right to judge them. You look at their life choices. You look at the decisions they've made. And you have every right to judge them because they have done stupid things. Maybe it's their lifestyles. Maybe their actions are contrary to what you believe is right. Perhaps they've wronged you in some way. Perhaps they are antagonistic, annoying, and thoughtless. We all know people like that, don't we? They're just really not nice people. You may have every right to be offended. You may have every right to be upset and annoyed. You may have every right to reject and push them away. You may have every right to shut the door in their face and enjoy doing it. But Jesus is saying, have you considered mercy? Have you considered mercy? Why? Because God has shown mercy to you. It's in this story that king is God and we are that first servants because we have an unpayable debt towards God. This is something we sometimes struggle to to comprehend, particularly if you're, you know, I grew up in in the church and I kind of understand about sin and all this sort of stuff. But if you didn't grow up in the church, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. And this idea of us wronging God is a bit alien to us. But the Bible tells us that every offense is an offense against God. Every bad thought, every selfish decision, every unkind act, every time you go your way and not God's, pushes us further away from God and builds up 
a barrier. And we do it every minute of every hour of every day since the moment we were born. See, from this, I love this quote from a guy called Tom Wright. He says, from God's point of view, the distance between being ordinarily sinful, what we all are, and extremely sinful, what the people we don't like seem to be, is like the distance between London and Paris seen from the point of view of the sun. We can get so caught up in the differences between us and someone else. That is nothing compared to the difference between us and God. Between God's holiness and what God expects and what we are actually able to live and function. It is only through God's mercy and through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection that we are able to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He broke down the barrier. He closed the difference. He forgave us of our sins. He rescued us from our sins. That is the mercy that we, if you are a follower of Jesus, have experienced. And everyone, everyone can experience that mercy of God if they choose. If we have experienced that mercy, then we should therefore show so much mercy to others. But the problem is, too often, we don't. We have got mercy amnesia because we have forgotten how merciful God has been to us. And when we forget that mercy that is shown to us, then that's where we start to become like those Pharisees that Jesus had such an issue with. When we start judging others because of the differences between us and them, when we start looking down on them and start condemning them, when we start putting up barriers that shuts the door of the kingdom of heaven in their faces, that's because we have forgotten or failed to, to take on board the mercy that God has shown to us. Now, when I write, when I prepare sermons, I don't always know where I'm going to end up with in the sermon. I know where I'm going to end up on a Sunday morning, but in my preparation, I, I may start with an idea about where I'm going, but often I end up in a different destination as God has spoken to me and, and I've read scriptures and listened to things. And I take it on board and I suddenly find myself in a place that maybe I didn't intend to end up with uh, at the beginning. And the position I've come to is a thought, really. And I just want to leave you thinking about it. This is not me telling you. This is me saying, can you think about this? And it's this. Is it better to be right or is it better to be merciful? Is it better to be right or is it better to be merciful? It's really important that we as followers of Jesus get things right. That's why people spend ages poring over their Bibles and trying to, you know, Christianity is very much, a, it, it teaches us how to live and how to act and what a good, holy life looks like. But too often we can, like those Pharisees, get consumed in what's right and therefore lack mercy. And it leaves me with that question, 
Is God more forgiving us of, of, of us when we get things wrong or more forgiving of us when we show mercy to the wrong people? What I mean by that is I think God is more concerned, will be happy if we shown mercy and got things wrong than if we got things right and didn't show mercy. And, and this really gets down to that question this is, or this idea that it's not so much about what you believe. It's not so much about what is technically correct. It's more about how you treat people who are different, who are difficult, and who are distant from God's idea. You may have every right to judge them, to push them away, to exclude them and shut the door, but that's not mercy. And what does God require of us? Mercy. I remember when I was, oh, I'm coming to an end now. I'm realizing the time. I'm coming to an end now. One last thing. I remember when I was a teenager growing up, and some of you may have got, if you grew up in churches, you may have had this similar sort of illustration. I'm not saying this is wrong. This is just to illustrate a point. Um, when it came to dating, okay, because they always talk to teenagers about dating. That seems to be all we ever talked about was dating. And it said, you know, for, it says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot date someone who isn't a follower of Jesus. And they use the illustration of, I'm standing on, the, you're standing on a table and you're the Christian, and there's the non-Christian, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and you're and is it easy to pull them up or for them to pull you down? And the illustration was if you're gonna um a date someone who's not a Christian, they're more likely to pull you down than you are to pull them up uh into uh to become a Christian. We can use that across the boards in all things and ask that question: is it easier for us to pull them up or to pull them down? I think Jesus, in his ministry and by showing mercy, actually what he was doing was stepping down. He stepped down to where people were. He used the term ivory tower up there in your ivory tower. There's people who are up there looking down the world, judging them safe and secure in their ivory tower. Church and faith can become an ivory tower for us. And yet we are required to act justly, to show mercy, and to walk faithfully with your God. And that may mean for many of us stepping down, showing mercy, putting what is right. It's not about changing what you believe. It's a changing what, how you act. The Pharisees and Jesus, they weren't that different, at least not in terms of what they believed, but they were very, very different in how they acted. We can act merciful, merciful, merciful. We can act with mercy. We can show love and compassion. We can welcome. We can open the door of the kingdom of heaven in a way that seems to be contrary to what we believe without changing what we believe. So I just want you to think on those things. Some questions are going to come up. I want you to think about. The fact that God has shown so much mercy to you, and therefore we should show so much mercy to everyone else. And does that mean for you maybe just putting to one side the things you believe is right, not changing your mind, but changing your actions in order to be as welcoming and as inclusive and as open as possible? Let's take some time and listen to these questions. Thank you.
Some questions. Is there a group that you struggle with? Are you willing to step down rather than expect them to step up? What scares or worries you about that approach? Lots and lots to think about. And I was just looking at those questions thinking, I don't know which one to discuss because they're no. all interlinked. They are. So we they might are. just go around them all in yeah. some shape or form. So we were just very briefly discussing then about groups that you might struggle with. So have a have a little just having a little think about that. And then that bit about willing to step down rather and rather than getting them to step up. So that bit that Martin touched on in the end about what do you feel the risks are? Because, you know, the risk being that it could pull you away. It feels yeah. like how firm do you feel in your faith about that? Or firm do you feel in your values and beliefs yeah. if you don't have necessarily a faith? And what scares or worries you about that approach? And I think that 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 fear that you might change, yeah. not for how you feel is the better, I guess. Um, yeah, I think, you, yeah, I think there's a whole, there's that, you know, verse that Jesus uses about being in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, and I think Christians tend <laughs> to fall into one of two camps, and they are too much in the world, or like not in the world even, or too much of the world. And actually, yeah. find that balance is really hard. You'd be very dangerously in a Christian bubble. Yes, so either you're Christian yeah. bubble and you don't leave that, or you're so far out in the world that actually, as Martin was saying, you get pulled down to them rather than bringing them up to you. And it's such a fine. Yeah. I found myself so over the many many years that i've been around church um finding that actually people are these things and they are too scared of the other one and actually the people mm -hmm. who are you know very much in their christian bubble find actually going out you know because they're scared of what might happen if they leave that bubble mm -hmm. but similarly people out there being like but if i go into a bubble then I'm not going to do anything. That's I'm going to have no stuff, friends in yeah. those communities. Actually, how am I then telling people? And but actually, I would rather my language slip or my you know faith be not quite as strong. But actually, to manage to tell other people about this Jesus guy, I would rather that happen. But then not be in a bubble. But then some people in the bubble, and it's a really fine. Yeah, I, I would love to you know do some. I, I'm not academic at all. I've never, never finished my whatever. I'd like someone to do the research around. Just interestingly, the extreme, you know, you're talking about bubbles and, and ways of life and moving out of it. Amish people. Yes. They have that year, don't they, where they're allowed to go and live in the world. In the world. Doing what worldly people do. And I would love to know the drop off. Yeah. Of how many Because they have a choice to go back then after that year. And how many return? I think they're quite young when they do it. They're still yeah. in their teens, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and I think it's probably a little bit like that frightens the life out of them, so they yeah. do go back or they don't. Yeah, I or they go. Probably like, right, I'd love marvelous. to know what the drop off is. I'd love I mean. to know. Just talking about research and just randomness of there. Yeah. Um, but I think 
for me, I have, I personally don't, I think a bit like you, I don't like to be in that bubble, that Christian bubble, because I kind of feel like we're just keeping something that's so special just to ourselves and we're not sharing it. But I also know how easily it is to be dragged into things that then make, like kind of make you not hold on to your values, not hold on to your beliefs as strongly as maybe you should. And you can get tripped up into that um you suddenly find yourself in a situation you think oh how how the heck did i end up here um and i think that's human that's human and we all do things wrong um i think as you mature then you start to stand more true to the values that you hold regardless of who's around you yeah i think um so i worry about this for my kids that how impressionable they can be um i've got one that's very sensitive and very impressionable and i worry that will be a people pleaser rather than holding true to her own values yeah. i've got one who can give two hoots about anybody other values <laughs> they will be true. very passionate about theirs very passionate about theirs whether they're right or wrong or not yeah um, <laughs> but you know so it's just an interesting the ability to get people on board with their yeah. views so it's just really interesting about i think there's a lot of character about whether that would scare you or worry you or not and i think there's also a maturity thing as well about how you can cope with coming up um and, and mixing with so you know for me the example being that you know martin used was about being jesus and jesus stepping down and stepping and walking with them where they were and talking to them at the place that they were but it never compromised who he was because he was so like his values were through his core he was so secure in them and he knew exactly who he was exactly what he was here for and exactly his purpose and his values and i think when it can be not dangerous or detrimental but kind of worrying or fearful or can affect us or impact us is when we've not got that that core that yeah. strength of belief and i think that does come with time and on a journey um, personally because yeah. i think we've all we've all going on a journey of life and i think as you go through that journey you it usually is through the mistake you make to be fair uh, actually that's not resonating with me people doing that or people behaving like that or people talking like that so actually that's not my core value that's something that's not me and and also when you do have that christian element to it um something in your set in your spirit in yourself is going mm, not happy about that i don't think jesus would like that so it's a, but it's a learning process so i think but i do i i'm very much of the i'd like to feel that i would walk with people on the journey and where they're at but i also want to, them to know jesus so i am going to try and walk with them on their journey to help them be successful and improve and you know that sort of mentoring piece maybe or, or walking alongside people um rather than going down to them and i, I don't like that stepping i know what what martin means but that stepping down sounds quite derogatory to me and it sounds like i think it's i'm, I'm, I'm coming down to your level yeah. but um i think it's more about coming alongside somebody where they're at in their journey in, in their life journey but not helping them to stay there it's about helping yeah. them to move forward and carry on yeah. and whatever that looks like and often we have to recognize sometimes that we're only maybe we're only in somebody's life journey for a tiny little bit yeah. that you just pop in and that doesn't mean you drop friends what i mean is that they may need to resonate and uh, to progress forward you might not be the right person to, to help them to do that so i think there's lots of things around that yeah 
that it's a challenge and it's and we're we're all I think where we can all get wrapped up is in all the emotional bit of it. So yeah. actually we're only human. We're not Jesus. Jesus was the only perfect person yeah. to work on the planet. So we do get it wrong. We do get hurt or burnt or yeah. or or feel like we've slipped up and done something wrong. But as Martin said, you know, is it it's God gonna be angry that you haven't shown mercy, you haven't walked alongside somebody and tried versus not trying. Yeah. And not showing that mercy. And I think we, we know what we would feel that that answer would be anyway so there's a lot of the the questions are provoking the talk was provoking if you've got any questions you can email the got questions it's going to come up any minute now there we go got questions at hawleybaptist.org.uk do email your questions in whether it be about today's talk or any of the other talks or just generally about christianity and, and life to do with church and you just need to know a bit more or you want, you're not quite understanding something do send them in and, and we would love to hear from you if you've got any queries about um how you get plugged into this oh look he's on it steve oh, you're on it steve. um if we've got any queries and want to get plugged into church or christianity or find out more about who we are as holy baptist church there's join dot in i can't never go the right way that way that way um <laughs> at holybaptist.org.uk and if you found this useful or provoking and you want to have a conversation with some of your mates about it and you think, actually, they really need to hear this or maybe they don't, but you're going to share it anyway, um, then do just share today's clip, podcast, YouTube channel with your friends as well. That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.